0: Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's Weekly Sermon Podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you were inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. All right. It's good to be with you all again. Um, congratulations, you set your clocks ahead. <laughs> now, I don't know about you. I'm a little bit worried this morning because usually when I set the clocks ahead, I know that th- you will never believe this, uh, but most of the time the next morning, I am Oscar the Grouch's brother. I, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know what it is, uh, but it just makes me a little bit grumpy. But this morning, for some reason, I am, I am not, and I'm so glad to be here, and I'm so thankful that you are here. And for those who are joining uh, online, so thankful for you as well, and just uh, pray that the Lord would just bless his time here um, this morning. He already has, and we're grateful for that. Uh, we're grateful for Miss Debbie and Mr. David as they lead us in worship. And uh, just, uh, just a wonderful time already. If you would take your Bibles and open them up to the Old Testament book. Now, I warned you a couple of weeks ago that I was going to go here at some point. Zechariah. And uh, if you have to use the table of contents, it's perfectly fine. It's on page 976 in my Bible. That probably doesn't help you. We're going to Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3, and uh, as you're turning there, uh, you, may be, you may be a little bit curious as to why I have a ball cap up here with me this morning. Well, the truth of the matter is, is, that, uh, is that it's Sunday, it's race day, and I'm excited. Well, it, besides that, um, the, the Bible oftentimes in several locations likens the Christian life the Christian journey to a race. And sometimes when we look at our lives, and the Christian life especially, there are times when we feel like we are out front, we are we are in the lead, we are going to win this thing. The closest competitor is miles behind us. But more often, if we are honest, we feel like we are at the tail end of the pack, that there's no way that we are going to, Uh, to win there is no way that we are going to even uh, come in first second or third now when I was when I was a kid in school we would used to do this thing called go outside it's it's foreign concept to many younger folks these days and during the during the time of recess we would go out and do different things and we would have races uh, the boys and the girls And we would oftentimes just to see who was the fastest. And the reality is I never won. That's sad. I feel bad. But the reality is I'm also already a winner when it comes to the Christian life because God has called me. And one day I am going to see him face to face. And he is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome home. We've been waiting for you. But many times we feel like the enemy in the midst of our race kind of piles on. Have you ever noticed that, that when we are feeling low or discouraged that the enemy takes the opportunity just to pile on to us and we, and we think that, oh man, there's no way that I'm ever going to, ever going to finish. There's no way. I might as well give up. We live in an age and a culture where far too many Christians are simply giving up. I I can name statistics to you this morning of the number of pastors who started out in ministry with the full expectation to retire in ministry but it is closely approaching 50% who have decided that it's just too difficult, it's just too hard. They, they've turned it in, they, they have sold, sold the farm, as they say, and, and they have quit. It was just too difficult. And, and it's in those moments that the devil likes to, likes to pile on to us. In Zechariah chapter uh, 3 this morning, we're going to begin at verse 1 with our scripture reading. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. And if you're able, would you please rise for the reading of the word this morning? Verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel, clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, this is Zechariah getting involved, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that in these few short moments that you would just bless your word to our hearts. And I pray, Father, today that you would bring forth something that each and every one of us needs uh, today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you in advance for what you are going to do. For it's in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Now, Zechariah is, if you're wanting to know, he was the grandson of the priest Edo. Zechariah prophesied to the people of Judah after they returned from the 70 years of exile in Babylon. In fact, Zechariah was among the first group to return. His grandfather returned from Babylon, his young grandson in tow, tow, and with the first group of Israelites that came back from Babylon um, in about 538 BC under the decree of King Cyrus of Persia. And because of his family lineage, Zechariah was not only a prophet, but he was also a priest. He could therefore, he would have a very intimate familiarity with the priesthood, uh, with the worship practices of the Jews, um, even if he had never himself served in the temple. And in the book of Zechariah, he is given eight visions, he is given eight visions, and this uh, verse, verses in chapter three, is the fourth vision that he is given. And we see there in uh, verse one, it says, "Then he showed Joshua the high priest." Now we need to stop there for just a moment because the reality is, when you think about it, Joshua was the high priest. He was the one that, that stood in the presence of the Lord on behalf of the entire nation of Israel. He was, to put it in layman's terms perhaps, he was the godliest person there. He was the one that stood before the Lord and ministered on behalf of, of the nation and it says that joshua the high priest was standing before the angel of the lord now most scholars have agreed that that phrase the angel of the lord is an indication of the pre-incarnate jesus christ jesus making an appearance in the old testament and isn't it interesting when we think about our lives and when we think about our journeys It's not a surprise when the enemy comes and and whispers in our ears. But here we have Joshua, the high priest, at the very pinnacle of of the religious society, the, the one who stands in the very presence of the Lord on behalf of the people. And it says there in the scripture, and Satan was standing right there. He was standing right there to accuse him. Now, if the devil can stand at the right hand of the high priest of Israel and accuse him, what can he do for us? What can he do with us? The reality, of the scriptures call the devil, Satan, the accuser of the brethren. In fact, if you remember in the book of Job, Job... Uh, The devil says uh, before the Lord, before God himself, you know the reason, paraphrasing, you know, God, the only reason Job really likes you is because you've blessed him so much. If you take all of that blessing away, if all of that would go away, God, surely he would curse you to your face. And uh, we know the reality and the outcome of the book of Job. Job lost everything everything. He lost everything. But in the end, he didn't lose what was most important. It says that Joshua was standing before the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, and Satan was right there accusing him, throwing accusations at him. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But when the devil comes to accuse me, he doesn't have to make stuff up. I have given him plenty of ammunition to use against me. But I am so thankful that we don't have to listen to that, as we heard here just a few moments ago. We don't have to listen to that, even though he's right there saying those things. And you've heard them. Have you ever heard that little whisper in your ear? You're not good enough. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are compared to these people? Or maybe it's something like, man, you've messed up this time. There ain't no way God going to forgive you of this. Man, you've won too many. You've done it. You've done it this time. Or maybe something like, nobody likes you. People just tolerate you. And what happens when we begin to buy into those lies, and that's what they are, lies, they begin to pull us further and further from the Lord and his plan for us. So there's accusation. The devil, and make no, make no mistake about it, friend, I don't care if you've been a Christian five minutes or 50 years, the devil is going to accuse you. He is going to seek to destroy you. It says that the enemy comes to seek and to kill and destroy. That is you. Christian life, when you made a proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ and asked him to be your savior, invited him in to your life, you declared war on the devil. And so many times he comes and he whispers, And he says those things. But I'm so thankful that this story this morning in the passage of Scripture doesn't end at verse 1. Because I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But when someone comes after us to seek to attack us, what is our our first response? (laughs) To defend ourselves, correct? We want to defend ourselves. Our daughter, as, as you know, is currently, uh, I believe it's week nine. Uh, she got five or six weeks left down in Bossier Parish, Louisiana, Sheriff Training Academy. And uh, one of the things that, that they spend a lot of time on in the academy is self-defense. Self-defense. So that they can defend themselves if and when that time comes, and we've seen it in so many of our law enforcement uh, professionals' lives when they have to literally fight for their very lives and so that they are prepared to do so. We, at times, are called, when we hear the accusations, when someone comes at us, we want to defend ourselves. But it's so interesting in this passage of Scripture that when Satan comes to accuse Joshua in verse 2, it's not Joshua who says to Satan, Hey, wait a minute, Satan. Wait a second. Hold on. Read it again. And the Lord said to Satan. See, the Lord gets involved. He will fight for us. The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Now to put this in layman's terms and quoting that wonderful uh, theologian and philosopher, uh, Dwayne the Johnson, I liken it to when he says, uh, the reality is the Lord in a very real way, paraphrasing, Satan, know your role and shut your mouth. Aren't you glad that the Lord fights for you? Aren't you glad that you don't have to defend yourself? I remember, I remember, and I would ask how many of you have been in a fight before, but I don't I don't know we want to go down that road. I've been in a few. I've been in a couple. Um, some of them I've won. Some of them not so much. And I've mentioned that several times and in, in different. Uh, messages that, that I've preached and, and I've always gotten, there's one person that always says this, this wonderful phrase. Don't you know, nobody wins a fight. And you are wrong. Because I've been on the giving end and I've been on the receiving end. And I agree with Jesus, it's bl- more blessed to give than receive. But I'm so thankful that the Lord fights for us in those times. See, the Lord is rebuking Satan. It's not Joshua. It's not him. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man, is this not a brand plucked from the fire? You see, there's redemption. Redemption is possible. Now go down to verse 3, it says, Now Joshua was standing before the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, and his garments were filthy. Think about it for a moment. Our, Our best approach and attempts of righteousness, the Bible declares, are nothing but filthy rags. The high priest, the one who stands in the presence of God on behalf of the people of Israel, clothed with filthy garments, no doubt a metaphor for sinfulness. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments. You see, redemption is possible. Redemption is available. As we heard in the, in the, in the poem that we heard this morning, we are not stuck. There is a way back. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how long you've believed the lies. There is always a way back. And uh, he said to him, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away. Hear that this morning from the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that's going to return. If you have believed unto him for salvation, hear that for your life i have taken your iniquity away he has taken my iniquity away the reality is when the lord looks at my life and all the sinfulness and all the all the times that i've messed up and gone different ways and he wants me to do the reality they are covered under the blood and the lord says god says i don't remember And I'm so thankful that the reality is that we are justified. When we come to Jesus in faith, we are justified. Just as if we've never, ever sinned. Our garments of filth have been replaced by garments of pure white. Behold, your sins are like scarlet, but they shall be as white as snow. And he said to him, behold, I've taken your iniquity away Behold, your sins are forgiven, Jesus said so many times in the New Testament. And that is something that we need to hear this morning, I truly believe. And I truly believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs to hear it anew. Behold, place your faith in Jesus. Behold, it doesn't matter what you did last week. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did last night. Redemption is possible. There is a way back. If God could do this for the high priest of the whole entire nation, surely he could do it for you and for me. He is strong enough. He fights for us. And I'm so thankful that that the Lord, when it comes to the fights that he engages in, is undefeated. He is undefeated. And the old enemy, the accuser, the devil, who no doubt before this day is out, perhaps will begin to whisper in your ear, who do you think you are? You ain't. You think, who? who elected you? You know, Or do you remember that time? <laughs> that happens to me. There are times when a, a sound or even a fragrant fragrance, uh, I'll, I'll get a whiff of, and, and immediately the devil will use it. You remember that time? You remember that time when you uh, went into that uh, fight and he took his fist and you took a bat. And you still lost? <laughs> that's another story for another day. Do you remember that time? And that's, that's what the devil does. We talk about, oh, don't open the door to the devil. Don't give him a foothold. He doesn't need an open door. Just a crack will do for him. And he will come in, and he knows just enough to press our buttons. You see, there's the accusation of the, of the devil, of Satan, not only against Joshua the high priest, but against you and I. And when we hear those, when we hear those whispers, we have to, we have to resist the, uh, the, the temptation to defend ourselves. Well, I'm not as bad as, oh, you want to pick on somebody, you should pick on Sister Ethel. Man, if you want some scoop... I know all about Sister Ethel. You know, at least I'm not as bad as Sister Ethel, and that's what we do. That's what we well, at least I'm not. at least I'm not as bad as this person or that person, but the reality is there's no sliding scale of sin. We're all guilty. We're all condemned. We're all in the same boat, but we do that. But instead of trying to defend ourselves, we need to turn to the Lord and allow Him to defend us. Is not this one, this precious child, is not this one I created, that I purposed, is not this one, a brand plucked from the fire, is not this one special and valuable? And we have an entire generation that needs to hear anew that they are precious, that they are valuable, that they are meaningful, that they mean something their lives are important we have an entire generation that is going down a path of confusion and deception and they need to hear that so when the devil comes to attempt to attempt to deceive you and to, to whisper to you and to accuse you don't try to defend yourself allow the lord to defend you and secondly, this morning, there is the transformation. I love the, tr- the transformation testimonies that I've heard in the church. I absolutely love it. When I hear, you know, I was this way. I met Jesus, and now I'm not perfect, but I'm not what I was. I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I want to be. I may not even be what he wants me to be. What what he wants me to be just yet. But thank the Lord I'm not like I was. And there is redemption, and there is transformation. And we're all, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, we're all on the road to transformation. We're on that road. We are not what we... The goal is still ahead of us. But thank goodness that the starting line is far behind us. And it comes as we give ourselves to him. Not just on Sunday morning, but our entire lives. Each and every day. Jesus died so that we could be transformed, that our sins may be forgiven, so that we could have victory over the enemy. And it's a victory that far too many Christians forfeit each and every day because they believe the lies of the enemy. And so let us take uh, these words from Zechariah and put them into practical application in our lives. When the enemy comes to distract us and deceive us and to tempt us away, Let us not defend ourselves, but let us turn to the Lord, who is more able to defend us and defeat him. The reality is, we know it, in the end, we win. In the end, the devil is getting what's coming to him, and I'm so thankful for that. But also let us hear the the reality that redemption is possible. And if not for us, maybe it's for a family member. That family member that no matter what people say, they will never come to Jesus. They will never enter into a church. They will never do this. They will never do that. Transformation, redemption is possible. And we need to take hold of that. And we must remember that we were... Once clothed in filthy, disgusting, stench-filled, sinful garments. But because of Jesus and his sacrifice, we wear brand new clothes. <laughs> I would ask if, uh, if you ladies like brand new clothes, but I'm pretty sure the answer is yes. Um. I love, I like, I like new clothes. I love old clothes that have been worn in and broken. Those are my, I mean, just because it's got a hole in it, it's a Sunday shirt, it's holy. Um, but the reality, as we close this morning, redemption is possible. We need to remember that. Regardless if we've been a Christian five years or an entire lifetime, redemption is still possible. Redemption is still possible for that one out there who seemingly will never come to Christ. Redemption is possible. After all, if God could redeem the high priest of the entire nation, surely he could redeem us. And he has through his blood. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast.